I'm glad you're on. You're going to love today. You are absolutely going to love today. I'm going to teach today the last part of recovery. I'm putting a lot into it today, so um, you just have your notes ready, and I'm going to give you a lot today, a lot to think about, too. So blessings to all my wonderful friends who are coming on. Thank you, Lord, for a blessed time. I pray your word will enrich every life. In the glorious name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen and Amen. All right, now, let's quickly go to 1 Samuel. In fact, I'm going to read it from my Bible right here. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to show you the five keys of recovery. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burnt it with fire, had taken the women captives that were therein. By the way, welcome to all of you joining me right now, even as I'm beginning to teach. They slew not any other great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's the first thing he did, which we talked about already, which is praise. Number two, and David said to Abiathar, the priest, Achimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. Key number two, the prayer of agreement. That brings recovery. Number three, and David inquired of the Lord, verse 8 says, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread. And he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days, three nights. And David said to him, To whom belongest thou, and where and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. He said, We made an invasion upon the south. And now David said to him in verse 15, can you bring me down to the company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that you'll not kill me. Verse 16, 
and he brought him down. Behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil. Now here's what happened. This is a fourth powerful key. David attacked them, smote them from the twilight even unto the evening. That is when you and I take our authority. And finally, it says, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried. But there was one more thing he had to do. He sent of the spoil to the elders of Judah in verse 20. And that gave him the throne later. So five keys that are so powerful when it comes to recovering all. And every key I gave you is inside of you. I told you already. Recovery is already inside of you. It begins from the inside of you out. The first key to recovery, praise. The second, key, the second key to recovery, agreement in prayer. The third key, faith. The fourth key, we take our authority. And the fifth, we give to the elders. These five keys are found in this amazing story I just read. Now, I'm going to go through some details with you. So, let's talk about the third key, faith, which I began to talk about yesterday. So, when it comes to faith, let's understand something. Um, yesterday, I was telling you, and I want to go back to the scripture I gave you, because I think it's so important. In Exodus 14, they, uh, uh, Moses, I should say, I almost said David. Moses was standing at the Red Sea crying out to God. And God said, what are you crying for? Why are you praying for? Step in. Faith is action. Faith is action. Faith sees the invisible. Faith believes the impossible. Faith will do the incredible. And I want to show you from the scripture that angels always join people on the move, not those who are standing still. In Exodus, in Exodus 23, 20, we find this beautiful scripture about that how angels join people of faith, people on the move. If you're not on the, uh, on the move, the angels of God will not really join you. Okay. 2320 says these words. Listen, please. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So angels join people on the move. People of faith are always on the, on the move. And Luke 616 talks about that the kingdom has to be pressed into. That's faith. Now, we have to understand that faith is always uh, moving, always moving. Faith is action. Faith is always on the move. Faith is always in the now. So when the scripture says uh, we, are, we must not be, we must not be prisoners of our circumstances. In Psalm 108, verse 13, 
in Psalm 108, verse 13, here's what it says. And verse 13, Moab, oh, sorry, through God we shall do valiantly. It is he that shall tread down our enemies. We cannot be, be uh, prisoners of our circumstance because our God will always do valiant things with us as we're on the move. We have to be always on the move. Faith is not faith until we pray it, James 4.2. Faith is not faith until we expect it, Psalm 5, verse 3. And faith is not faith until we act it, 1 Chronicles 22.16. Now you remember in James 4.2, it says very clearly, you don't have because you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. So it's prayed. Faith is not faith until we pray it. Faith is not faith until we expect it. Psalm 5, verse 3. Let's look at the Psalms. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. Here's what it says. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. I'm going to expect an answer. I'm going to expect it. So faith is not faith till I expect it. And faith is not faith until I act it. Until I act it. In 1 Chronicles 22, 16. Let me read that to you. 1 Chronicles... 22, 16. Now, I, I'm, I'm asking you to make sure that you write all the scriptures I'm giving you because they're really important, okay? So we have to act. Faith is something we, we, we act into. First Chronicles 22 and verse 16. You know what? I think I gave you, forgive me, I gave you, I'll do it one more time. I, I think I give you the wrong, the wrong scripture. No, here it is. Of the gold and the silver and the brass and the iron, there's no number. Arise, therefore, and be doing. Arise and be doing, for the Lord is with you. First Chronicles 22, 16. Arise and be doing. The Lord is with you. So here we see it. Faith has a destination. Romans 10.10, 10, it has a destination. Unto salvation. Unto means destination. Now listen. Um, back in the 70s, I was in prayer. I said to the Lord, Lord, I want to go to Europe to witness, to be a part of an evangelistic group called Shechina. At that time, my dad was not a believer. And you know, we in the Middle East, uh, we revere our parents, we obey our parents. And, and my father just said, you're not going. So I prayed that the Lord would allow me to go. 
And my father just wouldn't change his mind. I had to obey my parents. That's just the culture, the way we were brought up. But everything in me knew I would go to Europe. So I went for the rehearsals and the meetings to prepare for the trip. June of 1974 is when the trip was. The week before the trip, my daddy said, okay, you can go. But he said, I'm not giving you any money. The day before I went, he gave me $25. And that's all he said I was getting for three months in Europe. But I had no ticket. I didn't have an airfare. The airfare, I, I didn't have a ticket to fly. Everything in me knew I'm going. I packed my bags. I went for the last rehearsal at Mervyn Mola, at Mervyn Mola's home in Toronto. Mola wrote the song Jeho Jehovah Jireh. When we were done with that rehearsal, Merv Watson walked up to me and said, the Lord spoke to my wife and I to give you this. He hands me my ticket. I didn't scream and shout because everything in me knew God wanted me to go. We fly to Europe. All on me is $25. My father said, now when you get there, call, collect, and ask for yourself. I said, Dad, I cannot do that. That's lying. And he didn't. He wasn't happy at all that I said that. So I get to London. We stayed with YWAM people in their homes. And their Tubby was a gentleman that was the man of the house. I said, please, Tubby, can I use your phone to call my parents? I picked up the phone, dialed for the operator, and the dear lady on the phone said, is your name Benny? I was shocked. I said, yes, ma'am. The Lord told me today that a young man by the name of Benny will call. And the Lord told me to pay for your phone call. I was in shock because I was going to pay Tubby for the phone call. All I had was $25 on me. That happened to me. God knows I'm telling you the truth. People came up to us in the concerts. And many came to me and said, are you Benny? I said, yes, the Lord told me to give you this. They were giving me money. Every service, someone would come up and say, the Lord told me to do this. I was in amazement. Never had happened to me in my life. I bought new luggage. I bought new clothing. And I got home three months later. And I looked at my dad, and I'll never forget the moment. When I said, Dad, thank you for the $25, here it is. Give it back to him. God took care of me that whole trip. It was on that trip in Luzon, Switzerland, that I knew I would be preaching the gospel that December. And I began preaching December 7th of 1974. I experienced what I'm talking to you about. It's not faith till you pray it. It's not faith till you expect it. It's not faith till you act it. And faith is always moving towards your destination. I have a lot to say about faith, but I'm not going to because that's really all I want to say about faith today. And that's what David did when he pursued. He pursued. That's what Moses did when he said, we're going into the Red Sea. That's what Joshua did when he said, we're going to cross the River Jordan. All 
by faith. All they had is the promise of God. And prayer brings faith alive. It quickens faith. And prayer gives you that expectation. And prayer causes that action. Because in prayer, God spoke to me and said, you're going. It was in prayer. I wouldn't have known I was going without knowing the voice of God in prayer. How do you think I, I got into the ministry? When the Lord said, get up there and preach. I couldn't even talk. I had a, a stuttering problem. When I opened my mouth, I was amazed that God didn't touch my mouth till I opened it. That last second of that last minute. You know, the Lord is never, he's never really late, but he's never early either. Right that second, he touched me and my, my tongue loosened. Now, here is another key. The other key we see in the Bible is David took his authority, he attacked the enemy. Attacking the enemy is very important when we take our authority. Now, all this is inside of us already. Praise is inside of us. Think about what I'm telling you. Agreement is inside of us. Faith is inside of us. Authority is inside of us. He attacked the enemy. He said to that Egyptian man, he said, where are they? Show me where they are. And the guy said, well, as, as long as you don't kill me. But when he saw them, he attacked them. He took the authority with 400 men against thousands, thousands of Amalekites. Now, the Bible makes it clear. I give unto you power, Luke 10, 19. I give unto you power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. The authority is ours. We cannot win if we're always in the defensive position. Jesus said this. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The minute he said the gates of hell will not prevail, he clearly stated there's, a, there's an army marching against those gates. So the gates of hell will not prevail, meaning someone, an army, a group is attacking those gates. The gates will not prevail, meaning they're, they're under attack. The church of Jesus Christ can never win if we are in a defensive position. We always must be on the offensive. We always must be on the offensive. That's why he said, I give unto you power over all the power of the enemy. You must attack, in other words. And nothing will harm you when you're on the attack. I spoke to Bibi Netanyahu one time years ago when I had a meeting with him at the King David. And they just had the Lebanon war. And, and I said, how could you lose? How could so many soldiers die? He said, because Condoleezza Rice demanded we stand still under the George Bush administration, George W. When Condoleezza Rice called and said, you can't move any further into Lebanon. You have to stop. And the army stopped and they came under attack because the enemy always attacks people who are standing still. And Bibi said this to me that I'll never forget. He said, we lost because we were standing still. Imagine that. 
we lost many because we were standing still. He said, the enemy, th this is out of the lips of Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, who told me this. He says, uh, an army will always come under attack when they're standing still. And that's something. But an army on the move cannot be attacked. Hallelujah. He's jumping over there. Did you hear that, Chad? An army on the move can never be under attack because how can you find an army that's moving? But an army standing still, you can easily find them. So it's time to be on the move. It's time to be moving in the offensive against the enemy. I give unto all power, Jesus said. Hallelujah. Don't you remember what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says to us? That all authority is in our hands. The Lord already gave it to us as his church as his church. So why are we not moving? Why are we allowing the enemy to destroy people all around us? Why don't we take our, 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 uh, our authority and move with power? Why don't we just say, I'm, I'm done standing still. I'm going ahead. Ephesians 1.17 says this. Listen to this. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of, of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is that hope within you and the, the calling, the riches of the glory of God. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the power, that mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead, far above all principalities, power, might, dominion, every name that's to be named. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, meaning that church, we are his feet, we are his body. The enemy is under our feet. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And it says all power, listen to this, principalities, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's to be named is under his feet. Verse 22. And he is the head of the church. If he's the head of the church, the church is the body, and under our feet is the enemy. Sorry, I'm so excited. I have to be. We have to take the offensive. We have to be crushing all resistance. We are moving ahead, crushing resistance. The authorities of hell will not, cannot stop us. Let alone defeat us. They can't defeat us. How can they stop us? They cannot at all defeat you or stop you. So go ahead. Crush every resistance against you in Jesus' mighty name. You take that authority. My mom and my dad were not saved for three years. And one day the Lord said, stop praying and take your authority. And I stood up in my bedroom. I'm going to stand up, guys. Well, I don't know if you can do that on that camera. I stood up in my room. I put in my finger on the floor and I said, devil, I've had enough of you. Take your filthy hands off my mom. Take your filthy hands off my dead, you spirit of blindness. My parents were saved the next day. The next day they got saved. The next night. 
I was preaching at a little Pentecostal church downtown Toronto, and I came home, and my mom and my dad had come to that service, which I did not know they would come. And literally, my father looked at me and said, how can we become like you? 2.30 in the morning, they got born again that night. And the night before, I took my authority, and I want to tell you something that, that, that happened was, was amazing. When I took my authority, the Lord said to me, he said, you go downstairs and you destroy that little black book in the hubbly-bubbly bottle. My daddy used to smoke the hubbly-bubbly called Argila, you know. They would take that deal and they would smoke and the thing would bubble on the inside with the water, you know. And he had an empty bottle down in the, in the living room. And in that was a little black book. I didn't know anything about that black book. The Lord said, you go break that bottle and destroy that book in the fireplace. I said, Lord, if my father finds out, he's going to kill me because that's his bottle. I broke that bottle. I took that black book out. I threw it. Listen, listen. I threw it in the fireplace. It would not burn. It wouldn't burn. And I then knew that was something demonic. It wouldn't burn in that little book. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I come against you. And I heard voices screaming out of the fireplace before God Almighty. I heard voices scream out of that fireplace. Demons were screaming when I said, in the name of Jesus, let them go. Because see, objects can hold our families in bondage to the demonic. Books and magazines and this and that. My parents were set free the next night. Because I finally said, I've had enough of the devil and all these demons in our home. And I took my authority. Now you need to take your authority. It's time. It's time. Jesus is the strongest. Hallelujah. Through the cross, the devil has been defeated. His armor taken away. He has no authority. He's no authority. You are the authority. Remember that. You are the authority because the enemy has been disarmed. He's without his armor. Jesus won. Hallelujah. And we enforce the victory. Now you hear me now. Jesus won the victory. We enforce the victory. We enforce the victory when we say, in the name of Jesus, let them go. In the name of Jesus, give me back what you took from me. In Jesus' name, let my boy go. Let my daughter go. Let my family go. Let my finances go. I take that authority in Jesus' name. He's got to do it. Because Jesus gave us the authority. Now, remember what God said to Joshua. He said, I have given you, I have given you the land. Possess it. I, I, I already gave it to you. It's your job to get in there and take it over. Enforce the victory. Enforce it. Jesus won the victory. We enforce the victory. This is why many Christians aren't getting a thing because they're not enforcers. They're not enforcers of the cross and the work of Calvary. Jesus won it. You enforce it. Hallelujah. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. Hallelujah. So Jesus won it. We demonstrate it. When we take our, our authority, it's time we take the authority Jesus gave us in the New Testament. I'm going to give you a fact of history. No army has ever won a war 
being on the defensive or standing still, a French general said, in a war, the army that wins is the army that advances, the army that is moving. And Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. And gates speak of authority. Gates speak of places of counsel. Gates speak of places of power. Gates speak of places of strength. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail because my church will win that victory. Hallelujah. So authority belongs to the, to the believer, but a lot of, of people don't realize it. And I think some maybe just don't know it's there. Maybe they just don't know it's there. So it's our job to enforce the victory of Jesus over the enemy. We administrate that victory, by the way, on the Lord's behalf. We demonstrate it. 2 Corinthians 2.14 talks about that. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you're enjoying this, precious people. 2.14 says this. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. David attacked the enemy. So it's time we attack the enemy. It's time tonight or today or tomorrow, you get up and say, I've had it, devil. Just get angry. Let holy anger arise in you and say you've had it. That's it. Because God is looking for the people who will take their place Take their authority against the evil one in prayer. Our weapon, you see, through prayer, our weapon becomes very effective, very, very effective. Psalm 94, 16. Psalm 94, 16. That's right. When we pray, that blessed weapon of war becomes very effective. Psalm 94, and verse 16, I have a brand new Bible here, and um, oh, hallelujah. All right, Psalm 94, verse 16 says this, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? That's what God is, is asking. He's asking the questions. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? God is looking for you and I to take our authority today against the evil one so that our prayer gives us that effectiveness. Our weapons become very effective in prayer when we obey this, that God says, who's going to go? Who's going to fight for me? We do it when we pray. Now, Something powerful in Joshua 8. Something powerful in Joshua chapter 8. You know, uh, the, these are very uh, powerful uh, symbols, symbols of war. He took his authority, but how did he do it? In Joshua 8, verse 18, God told him to do something. Think, think uh, uh, what I just said. We, we point our fingers and said, I've had it. Now, in Joshua 8, in Joshua 8, verse 18, it says Joshua did something that most people don't, don't even know why he did it, but because it's, it's, it's all about authority. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that's in your hand toward that city of Ai. I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear toward the city. So he stood there with a spear facing a city. And while he did, something happened in, in verse 26. Joshua drew not his hand back wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants. Oh, my microphone. I got so excited, my mic fell right off. I hope you all heard me. I hope people heard me. Anyways, so Joshua is holding that spear like that. How long has this been off me? Five seconds. Oh, five seconds. Okay. Joshua's holding that spear like that. <laughs> See what, what happens when you're excited. And that city starts coming under attack from Israel, and God destroys it all while that man of God is doing this. It's authority. He was taking his authority. How about King Joash when Elijah said, shoot? And he shot and said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, shoot on the ground. And he got angry at him because he, he didn't shoot too many times. Victory came three times only because he only shot three times. So when we stand in our room and say, I've had a devil, God moves on, on our behalf with power. That's it. We take that authority in the precious, mighty, glorious name of Jesus. We declare his name. We declare his blood. Revelation 12, 11. Remember this. Mark 16, 17. In my name, they shall cast out demons. In Jesus' name, let them go. The blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood. And we need the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. It's our armor. It's the sword of the spirit. It's a part of the, of the armor. God's blessed word. So God uses three things to defeat the enemy. His name, his blood, his word. And that's all you need. I'm giving you the secret, okay? You say, Father... In the name of Jesus. Now, you devil, hear me now. In Jesus' name, I've had, you, I've had enough. Let go of my family member, my son, my daughter. Let them go. Then you say, I apply the blood on them. And I come against you through the blood. And you use the scripture for it says, and in Jesus' name, God said. You use the word against him. He can't resist then. He's got to go. God says in his word, you use the word against him. Because that's what it says in Ephesians 6, 17. We take the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We speak the word. And the enemy always flees when we lift up our weapons against him. I love what Psalm 56 says, verse 9. I'm almost done, but I've got to give you that, that, that last, last part of that victory. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm feeling the anointing just talking. Psalm 56, verse 9. Psalm 56, verse 9. Here's what it says. Listen to this. All right. It says, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. So here I'm calling on God and the enemy is running away. But I have got to use his name, his blood, his word. All right, now, 
The final thing I want to talk to you about is the fact that David, it said, sent of the spoil to the elders of Israel. He sent of the spoil to the elders of Israel because remember, he, he, he had been gone and uh, they had forgotten about David. So while he's gone into, uh, he was in the land of the Philistines. While he was gone, they forgot about him. So he knew what to do to get the throne back. He knew what to do. So here's what, what it says. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And David, verse 20, and David took all the flocks and the herds, which they drave before those of the cattle and said, this is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men and so forth. But then it says that David sent of the spoils to the elders of Judah. So when he came, he said, I'm going to send uh, a spoil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send an offering to the elders. And why? Because he knew the second he would send that, that, that offering, they'd give him the throne. So it says in verse 26, And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. The next thing we see is those elders come and say, Come be our king. He got the throne with an offering. Giving is vital to victory, vital to restoration. We cannot uh, uh, minimize, we, we cannot weaken the, the, the power of giving because it's God's will to bless the righteous. The effective Christian, the victorious Christian, the one who will see restoration must be free from the love of many. He must be a giver. And a supernatural law is activated when we give. Because it activates the law of receiving. It multiplies the seed. It destroys the work of the enemy. It says so very clearly in Psalm 112. The enemy will see it, be grieved, and melt away. It destroys greed in individuals. Giving is so powerful. Jesus said, if you are not faithful with, with money, who will give you true riches? Who will give you anything if you're not faithful with, with, with what God gives you? the finances he has given you already, whatever small it, you may think that amount is that God gave you because he'll multiply that seed we sow. A faithful man will abound. A faithful man will abound with blessings. So we never give up giving. We never stop giving because the second we stop giving, we stop activating the laws of receiving because the laws of receiving are quite simple. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly, if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully, it activates the harvest. David knew one thing. He'd never get the throne till he sent that offering. So he sent an offering in verse 26. 
And the elders of Judah, we see in the next chapter and so, they called on him and said, come. Saul is dead, so come be the king now. The offering triggered David's memory in them. They saw that God was still blessing him. Anyone who sends an offering is saying, God is with me. They saw that God was with him. They remembered him. And they said, now come reign over us. Giving will cause you to reign in life. I'm telling you, because that's what happened to him. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, use what I have taught and what I have shared today. Every one of those keys is inside the hearts of your people. David praised you in a time of loss. David came into agreement with Abiathar in a time of loss. He pursued in faith. He attacked the enemy and he gave. And your word says he recovered everything, even the throne. What good is it to recover what the Amalekites took if you, don't, if, if you lose the throne? He knew there was one more thing to do to get the throne. He praised. He agreed in prayer with Abiathar. He moved in faith real quick. He attacked the enemy. But he said, that's not enough. I need my throne now. I got to get the throne now. I'm going to give to the elders of Judah so they would remember me, so they'd know I'm still alive, that God is still with me. And the throne came. He not only recovered what they took from him at Ziglag, he recovered the throne. Father, come on, you stretch your hands towards me. I'm feeling the anointing, people. I'm stretching my hands towards you. We agree now, recovery. One hundred percent recovery in this season. You will recover all. I said in Jesus' name, I'm looking at you. You will recover all. Put your hands across mine if you can. And just say, I will recover all. Write it down. Send me a, a little one of those comments. Just say it. I will. Say it now. I will recover all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, blessings to you. Love you much. You can sow that seed right now. You give it to Benihin Ministries. What time is it anyways here? 4.48. Huh? 4.48. Okay. You give it to Benihin Ministries right now. You can also text it, BHM. Bring it closer. I can see it. Well, I can't even see it. Half of it is not showing. Yeah. 45777. BHM 45777. Love you all. I hope you, you were blessed today. I think you were. Share this with your friends, huh? Bye-bye.